Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by my buddy, my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it Edmondson today? I mean, I'm sorry. How's it hanging? (laughs) Uh, Well, let's put it this way. I'm only going to play if I'm absolutely positively needed. But go ahead and put me out there for the start of the show anyways. Okay. Sounds good. You're going to say more than two words, though. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff, you know what? Cliff Cringeberry is what we will call him now. Gained no points with the fantasy community this weekend. No, and then, and then uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but this afternoon he actually went out and posted on Twitter, uh, tw- Twitter or Instagram, and uh, basically just railed into the fantasy community for giving him a hard time about. It. <laughs> Some people forget who pays their paychecks. No, fantasy doesn't pay Cliff Kingsbury, but we help the NFL. That's for daggone sure. And the viewership wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for fantasy. It's about time. I mean, it's start, there are some outlets and some avenues that are starting to give it its due, but more still don't like it should. Exactly. Although, I mean, if you, if you take the true conspiracy theorists at what it is, someone's probably following the money to see who within Kingsbury's inner circle won big on DraftKings this week. That could be true, too. I always thought that, you know what, you know how you could place bets before the Super Bowl and before big like playoff games for how long the national anthem will be? Yes. Oh, I would clean up. You know if you're going to go long or not, right? Yeah. It's have somebody go make some money for you. But I guess if you're singing at those events, you don't need the money, so... Well, and I, I think some of the singers, when, when's the last time it was an under on that? Oh, I don't know. I don't follow that. I'm not a better. Come on. <laughs> I'm not a degenerate. No, I'm just messing. Um, and I really don't know. But I've always thought and wondered how that doesn't get manipulated because it'd be a very easy thing to do. Yes. But there's people that think the NFL manipulates games. So <laughs> why not that too? Yes, uh, we'll, we'll not discuss uh, the refereeing of the Detroit game from last week anymore. No. Um, luckily, I fell asleep right before that happened, believe it or not. Um, woke up I, I would like to comment, though, uh, on, on the touchdown catch for the Packers this week, though. Come on. <laughs> no, no. He, I, still, uh, I still say he was out of bounds. I don't know how they overturned. I mean, I guess I get how they can get away with saying they couldn't overturn it. It wasn't. You know, they didn't go look at the spike print like, you know, the TV showed. 
Yeah, well, I'm, again, working with TV crews myself in the past, I, even at the high school level, we can show eight or nine different replays of different angles, and the crews are very, very well trained. They're, they're getting all of the shots. They're, they're covering everything possible. At the NFL level, the, the number of cameras at the stadium is absurd, and they're all assigned the responsibility except for one. There's usually one person who's, who's following the players off the field for each side. But this, after the play has happened, there's always a camera responsibility to find the hero, find the hero of the play. And so there's multiple angles on every single play. Yeah. The fact that they could resolve that one was, oh. <laughs> so it, it just it was bad. I don't know if you saw. I posted one picture. I think it was the second one where the Packers player was like out, like three quarters of his foot was on the out of bounds line. I just was like, I think this one may hold up as a TD because <laughs> you just don't know anymore. Yeah. And I see. And we're, we're saying, of course, we're watching Monday Night Football right now, and the, there's a booth review currently of a scoring drive for the Patriots, and it looked like they're going to give it to him. It looked like a pretty clear catch by Philip Dorsett. That's uh, the second touchdown of the game for the Patriots, who are now up 17 to nothing. Yes, we're recording on Monday night, so we get to watch it in the background. Um, and it was a sick catch. Anyway, I'll tell you what, I digress. There's all kinds of stuff that went on this weekend, so I'm kind of waiting with bated breath to hear what Mr. Schultz has to say in this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Despite getting knocked out of the Week 7 game with an ankle injury, Dan Quinn has refused to rule out Matt Ryan for next weekend's game. Of course, this is simply because he knows that when Ryan fails to play this week, and the Falcons lose once again, Quinn will likely be heading to the unemployment office. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes dislocated his patella on Thursday night, and everyone watching on Thursday Night Football got to watch live as the certified athletic trainer popped it back into place on live television. Fortunately for all of the Chiefs faithful, Mahomes' MRI came back clean, so he should miss only a couple of weeks. Even more fortunately for the Chiefs fans and faithful, the rest of the AFC West sucks so awfully that even Matt Moore can lead this team to the division title. (laughs) Two high-end wide receivers suffered hamstring injuries yesterday. Adam Thielen of the Vikings will miss this Thursday's game versus the Redskins, while Will Fuller of Houston will miss several weeks. Let this be a lesson to fantasy sports fans everywhere. The difference between the two is how you get the injury-prone tag. (laughs) The Tampa Bay Buccaneers apparently turned down an offer from the New England Patriots for tight end O.J. Howard. We don't know the specifics of what New England offered, but it must have been very weak for Tampa to decline dealing a guy who has fewer targets than three different rookie tight ends, two guys who are currently on IR, as well as tight end luminaries such as Rhett Ellison and Nick Boyle. You know, I never did say that Tampa Bay was very smart. (laughs) And finally, we need to find ourselves a breaking news sounder because, well, after this weekend, we have breaking news coming from you from Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't care about your fantasy football team. This has been your VPN News. That is the truth. And yes, 
watching that patella get popped back into place is kind of like seeing a guy get kicked in the nads when you're at the movies. All guys wince, even though you can't feel it. Well, and so, I mean, obviously there have been gruesome injuries on TV over the history of time. People with broken legs, bones protruding out. But that one there, they actually sat and they lingered on it and they showed it live and they kept repeating it. It wasn't gruesome, grotesque. But like you said, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like your, your stomach just turned inside because you could see the physical. You could almost hear yes, you could almost the process hear it. of it going back into place. It was like you could hear the pop and feel it all at the same time. Exactly. It was just the imagery was – give them an Emmy, an, Emmy, an, Emmy, yeah, an Emmy. Give them an Emmy for that, right? I know a lot of people were um, praising the Skyview pick of the Cordero Patterson touchdown for an Emmy. But, you know, give them an Emmy for that knee pop trick. Well, interestingly enough, uh, I remember them talking about during the uh, game also the fact that they used the Skyview-type camera, or I like to call it the Madden Classic camera, during the Eminent Fog Bowl from a couple years ago. Yep. I remember thinking to myself, oh, boy, I kind of missed that camera. I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. Hey, you know, I did a little research, too. You know why they went and they popped that knee back in place right away, right there on the field like that? Why is that? Evidently, the longer that it's dislocated or whatever you want to call it, whatever the medical term is for it, the more damage it can do because the quicker you pop it in, it's kind of like a rubber band, I guess, in a sense, where if you're stretching a rubber band, the longer you hold it, the long, the better chance it is of staying out of shape, right? So the ligaments yep. in the knee, kind of the same way, the longer that it's out, the more stretching it's doing to them, and the quicker you get it back in place, there, there's a chance for less damage, supposedly. So it's kind of like that board game we may have played as kids, Perfection, where you have to get all the pieces back into place within X amount of time where they all pop out again? Yes, I remember that game. <laughs> and then again, for you know, Mahomes' sake, it's a good thing it was an operation. Oh, jeez. Water on the knee. Here we come. Yep. All right, so let's tell people what we're going to do. Um, for anybody that's new listening, um, when we hit the DFS segment, Harley and I do not discuss our views or anything whatsoever. Um, it is all going to be 100% fluid. We will guess. Normally, I'll let Harley set the line for over-under on how many we think we'll agree on. And then last week, we did a spot. I forget what we called it exactly, but basically it was selling. It was buying players. It had a lot of P's in the title. Yeah. Po um, playoff posturing or something like that. Um, <laughs> it was you know making moves to get players that have good playoff schedules. So this week, we're going to follow that up with, we'll figure out a nifty title to call it, but selling some of your studs that have poor playoff schedules. Exactly. And a key thing to think about is these, these players are actual studs that you may or may not think you'd ever consider even thinking about trading. But when you consider who their schedule is come fancy playoff time, you, you might have that situation where it's like, you, you know, you never want to sit your studs, but... There might be some of those times where you look at this like, oh, do I really want to play this guy in this matchup? Might I might have a better option on my bench. Yeah. And and the nice thing about these guys is all of the players we're listing are guys that will net you a huge return. So we're not talking about trading, say, Matt Joe Mixon. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking about trading guys who right now are hot, guys who have had good seasons, guys with huge name recognition and guys that will net you a lot more than they might get you in points come fancy playoffs. Hey, I'll, I'll cut you off real quick because just now the Patriots defense scored another touchdown. It looks like it's going to stand, I think. Um, 
maybe we should have included them in the sell high category. My goodness. <laughs> they are on pace to be, I, th- I think I'd read like wide receiver 10, running back 12, and like oh. quarterback like six for the year. It's, it's just something absurd. Actually, that TD should not stand. I'm not sure if it's been mentioned in the review yet, but it looks like one of the Jets', Jets offensive linemen barely touched the guy with his foot to foot without even realizing that he had the ball. Well, either way, it's going to go as another turnover. And uh, yes, it's a little too bad because I mean, again, it, it's amazing to see what the Patriots do year to year. I mean, there's always constant turnover on that defense, but it, it says a lot about the coaching staff there. And love him or hate him, Bill Belichick gets amazing return out of his players. Okay. All right. So enough of the Patriots and defense because, you know, no Team D. That's who I am. Hashtag no Team D. Play IDP. So do you want to get started on the players that we should talk about selling first? Yeah. uh, I know that you love to get rid of quarterbacks, so let's start there. Yeah. And I actually picked a quarterback to sell high. um, But it might be challenging based on the fact that he got injured this past week. But I still think that you'll find somebody that will have a hard time looking past his upside and think, oh, I'll get him for my playoff run. I don't see how, if you can sell Patrick Mahomes, you don't. In the playoffs, he has a doomsday of teams to face. In week 14, 15, and 16, New England, Denver, and Chicago. New England is currently number one and the least amount of points allowed to fantasy quarterbacks, Denver's two and Chicago's five. Yeah, I think they did the graphic earlier today that two passing touchdowns against them this year. Um, I, I thought about including him on my list, although then I thought about it a little bit more, and it's like, you know what? This is still Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, yes, you might be able to get a King's ransom for him, I just I feel like even against these good defenses, Mahomes is still going to do Mahomes things. Yeah, but you got three weeks that you also don't get him. So that's six weeks of net negative possible points. Exactly. So that's why I put him in there. That's the only quarterback I'm giving you. I didn't go any further. Well, I listed three quarterbacks. One uh, is coming off a pretty good game this past week as Dak Prescott. Uh, his schedule in the weeks 14, 15, and 16 on the road in Chicago, at home versus the newly accentuated Rams, and then he gets a decent week 16 on the road versus the Eagles. But again, first you have to get there. You have to get through the Bears and, yes, and the Rams. That's key. and the two weeks prior to the playoffs, he faces the Patriots and the Bills. So it's not getting any easier for Dak until that week 16 tilt. So. At worst case scenario, you're going to be going through weeks 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 and thinking to yourself, do I start my backup over him? Yeah. Uh, Drew Brees, uh, who is tentatively slated to come back this week, uh, gets a very tough 14, 15, 16 facing the 49ers, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And finally... Another guy who had a pretty good week this past week, Josh Allen. Uh, he is at home versus the Baltimore Ravens. On the road versus the Steelers defense, it's gotten much, much better since they acquired Minka Fitzpatrick. And then they closed the playoff season week 16 on the road against the Patriots. So, again, not an easy start in those three for him. Nope, not at all. 
Um, I will say that I think that some of what you just talked about is going to permeate into some of my players. Well, I think there might be a little bit of a roll up to some of the next guys. So how about running back? Where are you going? So or who are you going to get rid of? I'm going to sell off Todd Gurley first. Um, weeks in week 13, which is of course the last week before you go into the playoffs, he faces a Seattle team. That's they're right kind of middle of the pack. They're like 17th um, in points allowed to fantasy running backs. But then in weeks 14, Denver, okay, ten, Denver ranks top 10 in points allowed to running backs. That's good, right? But week six, yes. week 15, I'm sorry, week 15 is, unless I wrote this down wrong, San Francisco, number one against um, giving up the fewest points to running backs. So I don't care if he gets you there, you get in the playoffs. There's no way I want to play him the week that he's playing San Francisco um, before you go into the finals. So I'm selling now if I can. And guess what? The fact that he's got another good matchup this week could make him an easy sell if he has a big game. Yeah, I think I was actually going to comment to that. I think that this week's matchup is probably a good matchup for him. Uh, still, obviously, it, it looks like Malcolm Brown is going to miss another game, which means that it's going to be predominantly girly. Now, his line the last week was good, but it probably should have been better against Atlanta. Uh, so I'm, I'm just I'm hoping that he has a decent enough game. This week to increase that sales price just a little bit more because, yeah, again with Gurley, I like to hold on to him this week and then trade him after this week. Yeah, and I just checked. I double-checked my notes because that's why I said I can't understand my chicken scratch sometimes. Seattle, Denver, San Francisco, weeks 14, 15, 16. So it's the play, full playoffs with him. Um, so, yeah, what's, what's the matter if you can get there? And then week 16, you can't rely on him. So the next guy people are probably going to laugh at when I say that he's a sell, um, especially when I give you the reason why he's a sell. But sometimes there is more to the game than just the numbers, right? You know, there's people that say momentum isn't a real thing. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. I've played sports. There are times where you do feel it for whatever reason, and you play better, right? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, the guy that I'm saying to steer clear of is Ezekiel Elliott. I'm selling him if I can, and he is facing... Buffalo in week 13. So going into the playoffs, he's got a top 12. They rank 12th um, in least points allowed to the fantasy running back position. Then week 14, he catches Chicago, who's tough. Um, week 15, I'm sorry, let's see. 14, Chicago. He's got the Rams in week 15. Right, he's got the Rams in 15. Um, he's got the Rams. Am I looking at that wrong? I, I, my eyes Rams in 15 and then the Eagles in week 16. Right, okay, yeah, it does say Rams. It looked like it said Carolina to me, but it doesn't. It's L-A-R, not C-A-R. Okay, and then, so yeah, so week 16, he's got Philly. So Philly ranks as the fourth hardest team for a fantasy running back to go against, but we just saw what Zeke did to them last night, right? Yes. Here's the key. That leaves a bitter taste in a team's mouth. Of course, now you've got to do something to, to, to change that. But on top of that, it is in Philadelphia. Yes. I just... I know that if you own Zeke, you have to start him. That's just yep. a game I don't want a part of in my championship. Not if I can get pieces that set me up for a better spot come week 16. Well, and again, you might not even be in that game in week 16 when he gets you knocked out because of the Bears and Rams matchups before that. Exactly. So I, I know that people probably think I'm crazy, but yes, I would sell Zeke, sell him high or higher than high right now, saying what he did to that Big, vaunted Philadelphia defense. And they go, well, why are you getting rid of him? Oh, I need a little more help. I'm a little thin on, you know, 
you know, at receiver. So I want to get a, a running back that'll help me and a receiver that'll help me. And you get the better running back out of the deal. Exactly. And people are always looking to be the person who gets the one better player in exchange to the two players. Yep. This is a great opportunity to get the two pretty good players instead of the better player, because you know that the better player has got a tough road to hoe. But if they tried to give you girly and a wide receiver, say no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, that's what I got for running back. What do you got? Well, Zeke was at the top of my list for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned, particularly that schedule, though, too. Uh, again, and the fact that you can get a lot for him. My second running back that I would like to suggest selling based on playoff schedule is Marlon Mack of the Colts. They face the Buccaneers, the Saints, and the Panthers, all of whom are near the—I should say—near the top of rushing defense this year. So, I know the Bucks just lost one of their defensive tackles to a suspension. So, we're not sure how that's going to affect things a little bit for their defense going forward. But uh, it, it's not—I mean, again, Marlon Mack has had some pretty good games this year. He's a focal point of a good offense in Indianapolis. I mean, everyone was a little concerned about what the offense would be like with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is actually leading all of the NFL in passing touchdowns per game, I believe, right now, going into this game tonight. I believe he is. So, yeah, I mean, another guy you can probably get some decent return for on right now. Yep, I would think so. I don't know if I'd label him a stud of all studs, but he's definitely a running back one that should bring a, a good return on your investment. Exactly. Who else you got? That are my two running backs. I, I looked at things okay. really, really hard and tight, but there just isn't a lot of running backs that have a horrible playoff schedule. Right. So between the which two, which is why it's going to be easier for you to find a decent guy right. slightly below those guys yep. that you can get. So between us, you get three backs, and we kind of like both agree on Zeke, and it's not something we talked about in advance. I didn't know what Harley was picking with his guys. So you got Zeke, Gurley, and Marlon Mack to sell high on if you can. Um, I've got three guys. I had four, but then I crossed one out because I said, you know what, Tyrell Williams isn't a stud, and he just missed this week anyway. So um, but he doesn't have the best schedule in the world. But I got three wide receivers that I would say are all studly looking. Um, you wanted to go one at a time. We each go back and forth because I have a feeling we might agree on a couple of them. Uh, we probably will agree on, th- on I'd say at least two of the three, um, based on who we're kind of going against at the quarterback position. Yep. Uh, why don't I start with my three, and then you can kind of chime in if you agree. All right, and I'm going to leave my my. If you don't hit mine, I think you will. But if you don't, I'm going to leave my top guy that I'm selling for last. Okay, so. You had mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And if we're, if we're having a problem with Patrick Mahomes' schedule, then we should have a problem with the wide receiver one for them, and that's Tyree Kill. Hill is going to face the Patriots. Ding, ding, uh, ding. The Broncos, which is Chris Harris, and the Bears, uh, the final three weeks. That's not an optimal schedule for Hill. Now, you're still going to start Hill, and Hill still has the speed to go over the top against any of those three defenses. It's just not optimal. And again, if you can get a wide receiver with a better schedule down the stretch, do it there because you're, yep. you're going to be able to get a king's ransom for Hill. You get a wide uh, receiver and a running back or a wide receiver and tight end help, something like that. And then, Granted, you got some problems because Mahomes went out, but I agree with you. That's the one guy I had that was top of my list that I was saving for last. New England's given up the second fewest points to um, wide receivers. 
Denver's given up the fewest, and I was shocked that the Bears are number eight in the least amount of points allowed. So, yeah, that's just that's murderer's row, man. Uh, also, up at the top of your wide receiver listings, DeAndre Hopkins. Now, this is a preemptive warning here. DeAndre Hopkins has a great matchup this week, and he's going to produce a lot this week. But again, get him to week 13, 14, 15, 16. He is facing the Patriots, who are just playing into because the Patriots' defense is good. The Broncos, the Titans in week 16, and the I'm sorry, in week 15, and the Buccaneers in week 16. The Bucks is really the only one of those four that you feel really happy to start Hopkins against. Yeah, I didn't have Hopkins in my list, believe it or not, but I don't disagree with that. And my third one on my list, another huge name, and we're talking guy who may have been drafted in the first round of your league, definitely drafted in round two, Michael Thomas of the Saints. I mentioned Drew Brees earlier as a quarterback. I'm not going to I'm not gonna ding. bring in. I'm not going to trade. Ding. I'm going to ding, ding, trade ding. away Michael Thomas here. 49ers week 14, yep. Colts week 15, Titans once again week 16. Not exactly who you want to be starting Michael Thomas against. Nope. I, he was the first name that I wrote down, actually. Um, week 13, he's got a great matchup. He faces Atlanta, third easiest team. Yay, he gets you to the playoffs. And then you get rewarded by facing San Francisco, who's given up the six fewest points to wide receivers in week 14. And then if that's not bad enough, then you get to the Colts. Okay, well, they got, they're kind of like in the bottom half of you know, points allowed to wide receivers. Then Tennessee's no, no scrub either. They're like ninth. Um, fewest allowed. So yeah, it's not a good schedule for Breeze and Thomas, and I would be selling Thomas if at all possible. And I think he's an easier sell because Breeze is coming back. Exactly. Um, so the one guy that I... Did you give your third? I did. Okay, I'm sorry. I lost count. Thomas, uh, Nuke, and Hill. That's right. And then, so my third is another big-name guy. He definitely went first round or maybe second. Um, and he has... A week 13 matchup that's going to be very deceiving. Um, and then 14, 15, 16, not good. Julio Jones. Now, he gets to face the Saints in week 13, and it shows the Saints right now as like a top 12 matchup for fantasy wide receivers. But most of that is based off of all of the non-number one wide receivers because Marshawn Lattimore yes. locks down the number one. So that's where I'd be trepidatious with Julio going into the playoffs. He gets Carolina in Week 14. They've given up the set. Well, they have a great schedule actually. They've given up the seventh most points to fantasy wide receivers. But then you get in your semis, they get to face the 49ers, who've given up the sixth fewest. And then we don't know what Jacksonville is in Week 16. But you may not get there facing San Francisco. So between the 13 and 15 week matchups, I'm selling Julio. Exactly. And uh, again, I, I can't stress enough how well Marshawn Lattimore has played over the last four weeks. Basically, he has taken this team on his shoulders while Teddy Bridgewater has been at quarterback. And yes, Teddy Bridgewater is 5-0 and as a starter for them. But if you take Marshawn Lattimore out of that defense over these five games, I guarantee you that the Saints would have gone 0-5 during that span, not 5-0. You want to know what? something else that probably gets overlooked? I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty, I feel pretty safe saying I believe the Saints are 20-plus games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. But, uh, I'm sorry, that defensive line is overlooked there. It's actually very, very good. Yep. Okay, so there you go. I've got Michael Thomas. So does 
Harley. Harley has Hopkins. I have Julio, and we both agree on Tyreek Hill. That's a lot of stud receivers to deal away there. That should be able to net you some help. It really should. A solid receiver along with a solid, productive running back two. Um, you should be able to get a running back two, wide receiver two, or a running back one, wide receiver two or three in, in return. That's no doubt in my mind. Now, tight end, I have to admit, I had a little tougher time with because I didn't. there was really only one tight end that I would consider a true stud. Yeah, that I, I'm with I, you that on that. Definitely deal. I'm with you on that. We probably have, we probably agree on him. The other two are more like they're studs because of where they rank so far this year. But yes, you're, and just because of the fact that there's been so many injuries at the position. Yeah. So is it safe to say that we both agree on let's just sell all our Chiefs? So Travis Kelsey. No. Oh, uh, actually, really? As bad as bad as the Chiefs' schedule is. I feel like Kelsey might be the one playable option in that team down the stretch. See, now you know why I have him as my cell? <coughs> Very first playoff game is against the New England Patriots. But then he gets to come back against the Broncos and the Bears, who have both been yeah, but the, fairly amenable to tight ends this but, year. But here's the thing. He gets to come back. Do you get to come back if you're playing him in, in that playoff matchup that week? That's possible. That's, that's why I'm selling him. And I think that you still can get a good, good return based on his name and, you know, all that. So that's what I don't like about it. If, look, if New England was in week 15 or 16, maybe I go, okay, you got to get there and hope that he pays off for you. But it could knock you out of the playoffs. One bad play like that with a guy that you've built your team around, that's why I'm saying I'm, I'm selling him. I, I, can, I can hear what you're saying definitely there. Okay, so now uh, let's this- see who you have. The stud I'm selling is a guy that I've been pimping for you big time over the last couple of weeks from a DFS standpoint. That's Austin Hooper, He's who gets to face the Panthers, the 49ers, and the Jaguars. Yep. Three teams that just don't give up points to the tight end position. So Hooper is on my list. He was one of my three. Carolina's giving up the seventh fewest points to fantasy tight end. San Francisco's the third fewest. And then if you're lucky enough to get past those two teams, Jacksonville's 13th hardest to face. So... I just don't know that you get past. That's a gauntlet right there. Yeah, and again, I, I think we saw a little bit in the first half this past weekend that that offense there is in such a mess. They they targeted Cooper one time in the first half of that game, despite the fact they were facing a team that they could easily throw the ball to the tight end against. It, it took Matt Schaub getting into the game to salvage Hooper's line. Yeah, and that's probably the only thing that's going to hurt you is if Matt Ryan is out. That might make people a little more leery to buy on Hooper. But hope he has a good game and sell, sell, sell. Yes. Let's, let's now, see if we agree on our last one. The last two guys that I have, uh, I wouldn't call them studs. I would call them starters in most fantasy redraft leagues. Uh, that being Gerald Everett and Jared Cook. Okay. Uh, Cook, we've, we've already rehashed a little bit of the, uh, the playoff schedule for the Saints. They're going up against the 49ers, Colts, and Titans again. Three teams that are very, very good against the tight end. Although, I will say that if you do make it to Week 16, the Titans have not given up any yardage and any receptions to the position, but they seem to give up one tight end touchdown every week. It, it's kind of absurd. They're like constantly putting up like two catches for 21 yards and one score. So, again, if you, if you get to Week 16, you might get a touchdown out of him. Of course, with Cook right now being a little dinged up, you might 
not see him again this year. It might be more of the Josh Hill show there. So that's not who made my list, neither of those guys. Um, so go ahead and recap your three again. Okay. Uh, Hooper, Cook, and then Gerald Everett, who right. faces Gerald the Everett. Seahawks, Cowboys, and 49ers down the stretch. So I really thought there was a chance you could go with who my third guy is. Um, it's Mark Andrews. And here's the thing. Again, I'm looking at it from a week 14 really, really is what influenced my decision on this. But even week 15 is not good if, to get to week 16 where he's got a so-so matchup. Week 15, week 14, I'm sorry. Week 14, he's at Buffalo, who's given up the second fewest points to fantasy tight ends this year. Then yes. he follows it up facing the Jets, who have given up the eighth fewest points to get to finally Cleveland, who I'm not sure we know who Cleveland is yet um, until they come off this bye. They could be different, but they're the 14th easiest. So they're middle of the pack. It's not like they're, you know, wow, it's this great Arizona-type matchup. So I'm selling Mark Andrews. Yeah, I kind of wish he would have had a better week this past week. I, I had a lot of shares in DFS based on his price, but uh, he, he really had kind of an underwhelming performance. I, I think what we're seeing is a little bit of a regression to the mean from Lamar Jackson from a passing standpoint. Obviously, his rushing numbers are still absurd. We're, we're talking Michael Vick and Madden absurd. But his passing numbers the last couple weeks have just been mediocre. Now, I think a lot of that's going to improve when they get Marquise Brown back. Yes. But until that happens, there just isn't enough passing going around to sustain a high appreciation for a tight end, particularly a tight end. Who's splitting carries, splitting snaps. You can get with guys like, again, Nick Boyle and uh, Hayden, who's the, Hurst. Hayden Hurst there. Yeah. So I, I read something on Twitter today. I wish I could remember who it was from. Basically, they said that Lamar Jackson's rushing stats only, I believe, have him to where he would rank as like running back 23 or 29. I forget which which one it was, but still, that's high, right? Just yes. his rushing stats. No passing stats. Just rushing stats would make him that rank. His passing stats only, with no rushing included, would make him something like quarterback 18. That's where A plus B equals quarterback 1. It's just really amazing to, to watch the success that Baltimore is having using this formula. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's something that is – you don't really see it a whole lot in the NFL in, in today's passing world. No, you don't. But you know what? We've had it in the past where we can see that, you know, the Alex Smiths of the world, the, the guys, the Cam Newtons, they can add that four to 600 to 800 yards in rushing – what that does to, to – so that basically what you can do is if you want to do a little thing, project out a, a quarterback's rushing stats, right? Turn them into fantasy points, then divide them up and make them into passing yards. But again, even, even uh, when you do that, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling to envision that he has a legit chance at reaching 1,000 rushing yards this year. Yeah, he does. He started off slow, too. That's the scary part. Yeah. I think Philip Rivers had more rushing yards after one week or two weeks than he did. <laughs> That's saying something. Um, so there you go. That's our segment on, you know, studs to sell. That's what we'll call it. Selling studs, selling studs for the playoff run. She sells stud shells by the seashore. Yeah, there you go. Um, I just got to get another tongue twister in there for us. <laughs> and now we're going to go and we're going to run over to our DFS slate where we pay up. Stay away and value play each position. 
Um, I shouldn't even say that because we don't do kickers and we don't do defenses. But we will do quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers and tight ends. And Harley will set the over-under for us. Okay. I've got us last at... week. Last week we pushed, I believe, at four. I am going to take a shot in the dark and put the line at five today. Yeesh, five. Guess what? I feel comfortable. I'm, I'm going over. <laughs> yeah. Going over this week. Um, and I'll throw out the very first play. I'm going with Chalky McChalkster, Russell Wilson as my payup. We've got one, folks. Russell Wilson, 6,800 on DraftKings. 8,400, a little bit high on FanDuel. Atlanta has allowed multiple total touchdowns to quarterbacks in every game this year, including 16 hey. total touchdowns hey, over the last minute, five weeks. Wait a minute. How much did you say? Uh, 6,800 and 8,400. What am I looking at? Is that wrong prices on him here? Yeah, 72.86. Seattle at Atlanta. I do have the wrong price on him. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, 7,200 on DraftKings, 8,600 on FanDuel. I'm reading one line below, I think. And uh, yeah, no, Atlanta's multiple touchdowns every game, 16 over the last five. Wilson, he has three or more touchdowns in more than half of his games this year. So the, the touchdowns are going to be there. The yards are going to be there. He's a great play this week. And I'll be honest with you, I had a hard time, and I, that was an easy pick. If I'm going to pay up, that was an easy pick, quite honestly. Could have been a little contrarian. There's quite a few easy, nice plays at the top of the quarterback spot. So it was, t- it was a little bit tough for me to find a stay away, but I decided that I'm going to go with, I want to be like Russell Wilson when I grow up, Kyler Murray, as my stay away this week. Oh, well, we are two for two. Uh, I am, uh, I'm staying away from Kyler Murray. Uh, it's a rookie on the road in a hostile yes. dome stadium against a good pass defense. The Saints have given up four quarterback rushing touchdowns, but they all came during the first three weeks. And they have given up only six carries for 21 yards to the quarterback position over their last four games. So again, they, they were a little uh, nice to opposing quarterbacks that ran early in the season. Not so much now. It just It's not setting up to be a great game for Murray there. There you go, two for two. Um, and the biggest concern for me is coming off a three-game win streak, great. Going to New Orleans, playing in that dome, yeah, not so great. Um, exactly. So there were quite a few guys I felt like I could have gone to for a value play, including some higher-priced guys because the value I believe that they'll put up over their price. But I went for a cheap guy. Um, and As I, did I. I think there's a chance we could be three for three here. Um, he'll be getting his second start of the season. Yes, he's we at are. <laughs> home. My one piece of trepidation was he's facing a team coming off of a bye. But I'm going Tannehill all day versus Tampa Bay. That's a, that's a trifecta, we like to call that in the business. We are three for three through the quarterback position, so the over is most definitely in danger this week. Uh, Tannehill, the last four weeks, Tampa has allowed 12 total touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks. And this wasn't exactly against a bunch of studs. Yes, Jared Goff was one of them, but I, I really don't know if we can call him a stud right so, now either. So but the other quarterbacks that beat up on Tampa the last four weeks, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater, and Kyle Allen. Tannehill is at least on par with those guys. Yeah, and 78-yard um, Jared Goff, yeah, there's an argument that he's on par with those guys too. Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Um, let's keep it rolling. I don't know that we've ever uh, been... Before we go on from the product, I'd like to bring that up, too. Go ahead. Jared Goff, 
and the Rams are facing Cincinnati this week. Yep. And that may seem like a, a, a boom matchup for them, particularly after a decent start last week. But for whatever reason, even without their two top cornerbacks, they're not giving up a lot of passing touchdowns. And the main reason that is, is because their run defense is equally atrocious and they're giving up all the runs, all the yardage on the ground. So uh, Goff might be a trap if you try to play him and stack him with his guys this week. Yes, because I'm actually shocked every time I look at where they, they rank and what they're giving up. It, it just doesn't make sense to what your eyes see. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so let's move on over to the running back position and see if we can make it four for four. I am finally going to pay up for a guy that I've stayed away from all year long, and I probably won't have him after this because I said sell him in our earlier segment, but paying up for Todd Gurley. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was hard for me to do it. Trust me, it was. Uh, I, I just I didn't see enough of Gurley, from Gurley last week in the start. Uh, I, what should have been a pretty easy matchup for me. He did, he did score, but it, it was still kind of a putrid line in the whole process. I, I'm going to pay up for Saquon Barkley at Detroit. Uh, Detroit has given up 172 yards per game to opposing running backs. Every team has scored at least one running back touchdown against them this season. In the last three weeks, they've given up seven touchdowns to the position. That's not a bad play. Um, I'm trying to look something up here real fast to see if I can defend my Todd Gurley comment. Oh, no, I I like Todd Gurley this week. I'm actually going to play him in a few redraft leagues, but... Uh, I mean, it's, it's against Cincinnati. So, as we just said, Cincinnati's run defense is here. You go, ready? Bad. Hold on, <laughs> Chris Carson, twenty-six points. Raheem Mostert, twenty-four points. Matt Breida, fourteen points. I think that's a floor. Jeffrey Wilson, fifteen points, all touchdowns. Um, Frank Gore, seventeen points, almost. Jalen Samuels, almost twenty-four points. James Conner, twenty-seven points, almost. Those two are in the same game. David Johnson. David Johnson, 18.6 points. Chase Edmonds, 17.6. Again, in the same game. Um, I think we can make a decent argument, then, that Daryl Henderson might be an interesting value play this week. That is possible. And then Mark Ingram, 15.4 points. Yeah, give me – this is probably the only time I'm going to, you know, get on a soapbox and say, give me Gurley. (laughs) It's it's a good tout for Gurley. Okay. So – I think that people probably think I'm crazy with my stay-away player. I think you might be on him also. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. Uh, for stay-away this week, Yeah, uh, I've always been one to use the phrase, don't chase the points. Okay. We're probably not on the same guy then because I was going to say my one thing that keeps me from wanting to do this is the fact that he's getting rest and coming off of a bye. But I'm not paying up for Christian McCaffrey against San Francisco in San Francisco. I, I agree. That's not a good matchup. I seriously considered that. It, it's just it's still Christian McCaffrey, and I've got such of a uh, a bro crush on McCaffrey. I, I I can't not put him in my lineup. It's just kind of that way. So, like I said, I'm not chasing the points, and by that I'm implying Chase Edmonds against the Saints. The Saints have given up 87 total yards per game to opposing running backs over the last five weeks. And running backs, oh, so to put this in perspective, over the last two weeks, Cincinnati has given up more total yards to running backs over two weeks than New Orleans has given up total over the last five weeks. And running backs in the season are averaging only 3.01 yards per carry 
against the Saints, you know, don't chase the points. Leave Edmonds on your bench. So for what it's worth, on the season, only two running backs have cracked 10 points versus the Niners. Ronald Jones in week one with 10.3 and Nick Chubb in week five with 10.9. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good numbers there. Yeah. <laughs> now, you said Daryl Henderson might make a good value play. I should have. I, I, didn't, I didn't look hard enough at him because I guess I wanted to pay up for Gurley. I had a hard time finding a value play. Very hard I did time. too. I, I don't like a lot of the cheap plays this week. I don't either. I kind of went mid-level, and I just I hate. I feel dirty anytime I recommend a Patriots running back. But James White's who I've got as my <laughs> value play. We've got a match there. Nice. Uh, and so I, I would like to preempt this by saying that uh, I send out the Daily Fantasy celeries to Steve uh, Monday night after DraftKings publishes them. And the last couple of weeks, they've been very, very late in getting their published salaries out. So, yeah, at DraftKings for that. Uh, but I try to edit out players who shouldn't be among the players listed for whatever reason. There's players that aren't going to do anything. And I inadvertently crossed one name off the list that would have made a good value play this week, and that's Ty Johnson of Detroit. Yes. So he is a potential value play this week. That wasn't on the list, but I wanted to make sure our listeners know about him as a potential value play, as well as J.D. McKissick, who also will be splitting time, assumedly, in that offense while Carrion Johnson is out. But I did ultimately choose James White versus Cleveland. Cleveland has allowed 482 combo yards and four total touchdowns to opposing backs over their last two games, which is also more than the five games that the Saints have given up. Uh, plus, you know what, three different teams this year? have topped 70 running back receiving yards against Cleveland. That's White's role in this offense. Yep. And my one thing that made me, as I said earlier, same theme, trepidatious about it, was Cleveland coming off of a bye. You just you never know what a team can cook up and have some rest and you know come back with some bad intentions and wake up feeling dangerous or something like that. But he's the best I could find. I just I wasn't thrilled with any of the low-priced guys. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Again, uh, Perhaps Duke Johnson versus Oakland. Uh, again, Daryl Henderson, maybe. Jeez, uh, yeah, but it, it's really kind of a dart throw. A lot, a lot of the cheaper guys have really rough matchups this week. Jordan Howard, tough matchup. And, and vice versa, Frank Gore and David Singletary going back against him, tough matchup. Uh, perhaps David Montgomery versus the Chargers, but you really don't know what you've got with that Bears offense right now. All sorts of question marks there. Yep. So we are four in, halfway to go. Need two for the over. I think we're going to land number five right here. Well, so earlier on today, I said trade this guy away because... Ah, no, we're not going to get him here then. We're not getting five here. Because I don't like his playoff schedule, and that's uh, DeAndre Hopkins versus Oakland. Uh, Ten different wide receivers have topped 50 receiving yards against Oakland, and with no Will Fuller... You know, Hopkins is actually he actually saw some red zone targets this past week. He caught one. He probably should have caught another one. So he's back to being the red zone threat there. I feel you. I'm going with a rainy day stack, though. <laughs> Chalky McChalkster, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett. Because I'm paying up for Lockett because he's going to give me the same type of production that you're going to get out of Nuke. And he's cheaper. Yep. 
<laughs> so that's why I really thought that we might agree there because we did agree on the quarterback. So I thought you might take the stack also. I, I've gone that path a little bit in the past. Uh, I just think that, you know, that Atlanta defense is so bad. Yeah, it is. I would rather do that exact. I'd rather do that stack, but instead of lock it, I'm going to stack Russell Wilson with DK Metcalf for even less money and put him at wide receiver two or three. Okay, fair enough. Because um, <laughs> Kiki, maybe maybe even J. Ron Brown. I mean, you had Hopkins only went for 16 points against him. Fuller went for 50 plus. Kiki Kuti went for 10. That's just in one week in week five. Um, Fitz went for almost 13 last week. You had both Corey Davis and. Darius Jennings going for 20-plus. Yes. Um, Paris Campbell. No, not Paris. T.Y. Hilton went for 20-plus. Zach Pascal, 13. So there's plenty to go around, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I love Tyler Lockett this week. No, no argument there. I, I did consider him a lot, and I agree with the argument that he is cheaper than Hopkins there. So I think we're going to match on the stay away, though. We might, and we probably will. But, I again, because of a buy, wasn't 100% sold that this is something we sh- I should stay away from. But I don't want any parts of OBJ against New England. We didn't match. I, I really thought we were going to. I, I do agree oh, that. I, wow. Really? Uh, the guy I'm staying away from is actually higher priced than OBJ. Yeah, I, was, I had to look twice because I couldn't find him. I was like, oh, wow, what's he so far <laughs> down the list for? I'm going to stay away from Chris Godwin at Tennessee. Fair enough. The Titans have held four different teams, not, not just top receivers, but whole teams, to fewer than 12 wide receiver receptions in a game. The last two weeks, they've given up a total of 16 receptions to opposing wide receivers. Uh, Godwin's still got to split touches with Mike Evans. He's, he's still got to split touches with the tight ends there. It, I'm not. I mean, they finally updated his price, so he's up in that top tier. Yep. Uh, he was such a great value early in the season, but this is not the week to play him. No, I mean, and there was quite a few choices to steer clear of in my mind. Um, Keenan Allen doesn't have the best matchup on the road in Chicago. I already told you about my little bit of a trap theory on the Cincinnati-Los Angeles Rams game, so you might want to steer Cup. away from Cooper Cup. Yep, same difference there. Um, so... Yeah, we did. I'm, I'm shocked. I really thought we were going to get at least one out of those two, those first two. So now I'll be curious if we can match on the value play, which is always so difficult to do at the wide receiver position because there are so many options. And I will say the guy that I really wanted to pay for as a value play, I was shocked I had to keep going up and up and up to find him to the point where I said, that's not a value. I can't play him at that price. But I still want some of that game, so I had to go back and find somebody. I wanted to go with Smokey Brown, but instead I'm settling for Cole Beasley because of his price. You know, I was actually uh, – well, people who follow us on Twitter, Sunday morning I was all over pimping Cole Beasley as the play, and he wasn't targeted much in the first half either in his game, which was kind of like giving me a bad feeling in my stomach because I played a lot of him. But then he managed to save his game with a late touchdown, which was nice. Uh, so I totally get behind that play. I'm actually going to, uh, and I like to reference uh, fanball.com's Brian Johnson when I use this because this is one of his terms that he coined, and that is the Voltron stack, which is when you have uh, four or more players from the same team. Uh, If you're going to consider starting DeAndre Hopkins versus Oakland, I would hope you would also consider starting Deshaun Watson at quarterback, possibly starting one of their tight ends or maybe their defense. But you know what? I'm going to throw Kenny Stills in that lineup too. 
because it's not just number one wide receivers that are beating up on Oakland. Everybody's beating up on Oakland. He took the fuller role last week. He's the deep ball threat. I think that he's going to hook up for at least one or two touchdowns this week in what should be a high-scoring game for Houston. Okay. That's, that, there's nothing wrong with that logic, that's for sure. Like I said, there's always a lot of good plays um, that you can look to at wide receiver for value, that's for sure. So now it means it comes down to get out of the gate fast, right? Three for three, four out of the first six. All of a sudden, we're on an over streak. Tight end's going to save us or break us. Yes. Uh, tight end, I'm going to pay up for another guy I talked about trading, and that's Austin Hooper versus Seattle. We have the push. Yes. Austin Hooper, uh, Seattle has allowed 308 yards to opposing tight ends over the last three weeks. Plus, they have allowed strong games to lesser tight ends, such as Ricky Seals-Jones, C.J. Uzoma, and Tyler Higby this year. After being written out of the first-half game plan last week, Atlanta finally got Hooper involved in the second half. And guess what? He scored again. He has now scored and or topped 50 yards in all but one game this year. That's consistent. You want consistent at your payup, and it's going against Seattle, which is definitely a take-advantage type of situation. Okay, so this is going to do it right here. Who we're avoiding is going to do it for us. <laughs> I and think I, so, probably. And I know we're going to match because I don't have faith in my value play because I'm not sure the guy's health and that I wanted to use. But I'm staying away from Darren Waller coming off a huge week, scoring his first two touchdowns. Oh, I'm sorry, one touchdown because one didn't count because of a – Holding penalty. Um, I'm staying away from Darren Waller against a Houston team in Houston that is not friendly at all to the tight end position. They've given up the fourth fewest points overall to tight ends. Uh, we didn't match. Come on. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been picking on the uh, Houston defense for their, or not picking on them, but touting the fact that they've been very good against tight ends this year. The last couple of weeks, they've kind of slipped a little bit there. Okay. And so as much as I don't like Darren Waller as a great play this week, one guy stands out to me as a much, much worse play, <clears throat> and that is Zach Ertz at Buffalo. The Bills are allowing an average of three catches and 32 yards with zero touchdowns to opposing tight ends. And that number, that number is inflated by a 57-yard catch by Janu Smith in which he caught the ball and ran the ball for most of that 57 yards. Take that one catch out, and opposing tight ends are averaging just 22.5 yards per game against the Bills. Zach Ertz was a completely forgotten man this past week. And, you know, at this point, he may not even be the best tight end on his own team anymore. That is true. They, that offense looks out of sorts. Um, so, yeah, I get it. I'm not happy that we're, not pushed, that we're still pushed, but... Um, you know, for Houston, a, a receiving touchdown really saved Austin Hooper in week five, and he put up 13.6 points. Travis Kelsey only was at 9.8. Nobody else has broken 10, so I still like saying I'm, I'm fading Waller this week. Well, I'm, I'm totally fading Waller. I'm right with you on that. I just didn't think he was the worst of the worst. Okay, so <laughs> is it, do you have any news with regards to Jared Cook's health? No, but... Here's what I'm going to say. My value play is indeed affected by Jared Cook's play. Okay. So I couldn't do that because I feel like uh, we got to tell people what to do now. So, yeah, I guess 
I'll hedge it and say, I have Cook. I scratched him out because I don't know if he's healthy. And, yeah, if he doesn't play and you want to, you want to pivot the hill, you can do that. Um, but that's not what I wrote down. I wrote down Delaney Walker um, at home against the Titans. I mean, against the, I, the Buccaneers. I was going to say he's with the Titans. But, yes, uh, I actually listed two names, too. <clears throat> I listed Josh Hill because I don't think Cook's going to play. And you know what? It's against Arizona. Start your tight ends against Arizona. Yeah. They've now given up eight touchdowns to the position over seven games. And you know what? Uh, even if Cook does play, Hill could score. <coughs> Red Ellison did last week. Yeah, that's true. But you know, uh, the didn't? other guy listed. Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram didn't, though. Uh, they really – I don't understand the Giants not passing Ingram last night. Yeah. The other guy listed – uh, Tyler Eifert at the Rams. Two? Exactly. Oh. Uh, opposing tight ends are averaging six catches, 79 yards, and half a touchdown over the last four weeks against the Rams. Yes, they did add Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey doesn't cover tight ends. No. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey played for a team that also used to funnel a lot to the tight end. Exactly. So I think we're going to see a fair amount of Eifert this week, or maybe Uzoma. Yeah, I have a hard time relying on those guys. Delaney hasn't really done much this year, it doesn't seem like, but I, I like him this week at home. So, But, yeah, I, the New Orleans play is the play in my eyes. Just you have to figure out who it's going to be. And hope that the coach doesn't come out before the game and say that Jared Cook is healthy, have him line up for one series and then take him out of the game. Yes. If he's going to the King Cliff Kingsbury, you know what? Hey, they, they're playing each other. They might be able to talk. Yeah, you should, you should say Jared's going to be active. We'll, we'll game plan for him, even if you don't use him. Those fantasy people will love that. You know we're, we're easy to, to score points against from the tight end position. Well, I'm pretty sure that Sean Payton doesn't care about your fantasy team either. No, he does not. Well, it was a push, my friend. Vegas wins. Yep, they always win. And, and they exactly. come out of the gate so fast at quarterback. <laughs> That's the crazy part. But that just goes goes to show how we can look at things differently. I think we can give each other half a point maybe for that tight end value play. Now that would push the over. That's that's one of those bets that maybe that you hear that the house says, you know what, we're going to refund the bets on this because of this thing that happened that was really odd. <laughs> Which has happened like only twice I think I've ever heard of something like that happening. Yes. So, all right, well, there you go. Um, hopefully you – Take heed to the studs that we said you should sell in advance of the playoffs. Position yourself for that playoff run and a deep one at that. You don't want to just get there. You want to win it all. And then, of course, until then, keep playing your DFS, and hopefully our picks here will help you to maximize your return on your investment in that avenue of things. And then, of course, if there's any questions that come up during the week, you know, injuries, et cetera, change things, feel free to reach out to Harley at Nuclear Harley. That's N-E-W-C-L-E-A-R-H-A-R-L-E-Y. Correct, Harley? That is correct. And then me, mine's easier, at Steve Gallo NFL. And Gallo is spelled like the wine. I wish I was related, but I'm not. Um, It is what it is. And then, of course, also, if you're not a member yet, go ahead and subscribe at the huddle. Pull out the 20-buck spot or whatever it is. It's worth it. You'll, You'll reap the benefits later. And as always, as we like to say, get blitz responsibly. Cheers.